0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer is launching a new podcast from the guys who brought you a family barbecue called Baseball Barbecue. Hosted by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, they're bringing you the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world and everything that makes it special. Throughout the off-season, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and much more. Once the season returns, they'll break down the latest MLB news and developments. You can subscribe to Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined today by two very smart people. Danny Kelly from The Ringer, draft guru, famous football guru, football guru, that's it. And Shilke Kapadia, NFL writer at The Athletic, one of my favorite people in the industry. We're going to, in a way, preview the season by doing prop bets. That's it. We're just going to go through the season prop bets are out now. Uh, A handful of sports books have released their early season props now that we know what the teams are. And we're just going to go through... The ones I think touch on broader subjects, and we're gonna just bang out what the 2020 season looks like from our perspective. Um, pretty easy thing. First of all, guys, how are you? Doing well. I'm good,
2: Kevin. I-, I didn't know you got these from sports books. I thought you were like coming up with your own uh, your <laughs> own prop bet. So now I was gonna compliment you on doing a good job, but you took. The- I made up.
1: I made up three of them. Okay, all right. Oh. And this is the first step towards me opening up. A sports book. <laughs> oh, I want in on that. Yeah. And losing 70 million dollars a year. <laughs> I would uh, I am not good at football gambling and so I probably shouldn't say that on a gambling podcast. I don't do it. That's why I don't that's why I don't partake other than the ethical issues of covering a league and being in a locker room and saying, "Hey, I'm mad at you. I the, the thing I always say is like I don't want to bet on a game. And then be in the locker room afterwards and yes. be, look at the middle linebacker and be like, I'm going to, man, I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad at you. Like, what, yeah. what is that? That seems like a dead end. If you did do that and wrote about it, I would read it though. I'm just It'd telling would be the you. last thing I ever yeah. wrote and the last thing you'll ever read of mine. All right. But let's get to the prop bets and sort of lay it out here. All right. This one I did make up. Over under yes. games played in front of fans. Zero point five. Danny Kelly, start us off. You seem (laughs) eager to answer this question.
0: I'm taking the under on this. So I I think that there, I think there's just going to be a bunch of games at neutral sites. I don't think they're going to have fans. There's all these, there's all this talk right now about putting fans like six feet away from each other or having a a seat separating each other at games. I just think, I mean, it's that's just not going to work. That's not going to be a realistic like scenario. I think that's going to work. And I think it's going to all be they're going to have a hard enough time getting all the players tested and all that. Yeah, That's just where I am. I, I, I'm guessing the, all, the whole season will be just these empty stadiums.
1: I did see a photo the other day of a Georgia Tech game during the Spanish flu. I saw it. And it that. looked really creepy. Everybody <laughs> had masks on. Some people just t- took their mask off just to you know sneak a beer or whatever. But it was a really creepy photo. Um, I will say this. So a lot of the talk about social distance fans essentially uh, what you're describing that's that's happened at the college level and the reason for that is probably i think there's some donors or whatever who want to get in or, or you know guys who haven't missed a game in 90 years or and whatever and i think that there's um i understand the modeling for it and all that stuff uh, the south carolina athletic director said they've thought about what would happen if you had less than thirty thousand fans and in the net you know the eighty thousand seat stadium and everybody was spread out i just don't think that's that's realistic. I, I'm with you, Danny. I just don't think that that any of that in 2020 is going to happen. But beyond that, I don't see the need for the NFL necessarily to do that. I mean, unless, unless they wanted to charge just a massive premium and then had like, you know, the people who used to have suites are now just sitting in the stands six feet apart from everybody else. Everyone has and their they, own section. I, yeah. I just feel like that's, if we're still dealing with problems in 2021, I feel like that's when you start thinking about that stuff. I think that right now you just roll with it behind closed doors. Shield, 0.5, over, under.
2: Well, I have no idea, so I'll just say that uh, up front. However, I I think what you said last there made me think of the one reason why I took the over, and that is don't... Oh, whoa. uh, Don't underestimate the greed of NFL. (laughs) I mean, really, if there's a way to get fans in there, do what you just mentioned, charge a premium, you know, there's only going to be a certain amount of fans and they're going to have some kind of crazy view and some crazy experience, but it's going to be sort of a small volume at a very high premium price. I could see something like that happening. The other thing I guess they have going in their favor is that they're not going to be like the guinea pigs for this. Most likely, you know, there will be, um, we think potentially there could be baseball or, you know, there could be yeah. NBA before where those leagues kind of go through the test and say, all right, here's what worked, here's what didn't work. And now here's what we will try to do going forward. So nothing would surprise me. You guys very well could be right, but I just picture the, those owners at those owners meetings, thinking of some way to capitalize on this, some way to get fans in the stand. And so, uh, I took the over. Not full stadiums, but maybe some fans.
1: I could also see them. I could also see them doing some sort of, you know, almost like what they have with the All In Challenge, where it's like we're auctioning off. There's ten seats available for this game. We're going to auction them off. Something yes. like that. Um, I think that you're right in the never underestimate what the NFL came up with. I remember. I don't know if I've ever told the story in the podcast. I remember being in a league meeting in New York. I was working at the Wall Street Journal at this point, so it must have been I don't know, 2015, 2014. I don't know. And one of the NFL, uh, say, someone who works the NFL was like, "Man, you know, we were talking about one of the NFL teams playing in a soccer stadium and just like charging a premium." And, and I, I started to laugh, and I was like, "Well, that's that's total BS. Like, I don't know why we're even talking about this." And I literally laughed off this person telling me that there was going to be a team in a soccer stadium. And uh, anyway, that happened for three years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, the NFL will come up with something that maybe. Is a um, maybe gets a couple fans in the stands. I don't think it's going to be what the, U, the South Carolina athletic director said, where you know you have 15,000 or whatever. Maybe it's like 10 fans, but I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I agree with you, Sheila. It's going to be interesting to see how the sort of the process works with baseball and basketball and whether or not that they, they have a couple fans or whatever. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch. All right, football. Rob Gronkowski. So this is from Fox Bet. The over/under on touchdowns is five point five. The over/under on receiving yards is six hundred and eighty-eight. Now let's just do touchdowns here. That's the simplest over/under. Rob Gronkowski, five point five receiving touchdowns. Shield.
2: I have the under. I don't. Uh, I don't feel great about it. But I looked at it, and so if you look at it last year, six tight ends would have kind of hit the over here. So it's, you know, that's sort of a base of will he be among the top six or seven tight ends in terms of uh, touchdown catches? He's going to be 31 years old. We're not quite sure what to expect. I mean, I kind of feel like they're going to save him for very high leverage situations. And the red zone could be one of those situations where he might not be playing every snap, but he plays in the red zone and goes over. But I just felt like that was a pretty high bar when you consider how healthy is he going to be, uh, the other weapons they have on that team, of course. So I went under six.
1: I agree with you. I'm going under. The reason, so he had three touchdowns in 2018, eight in 2017 when he played 14 games, and three in 2016 when he had uh, six starts and eight appearances. I think generally I agree with you. They're going to save Rokwankowski. If you were to include playoffs in this, I'd be more likely to to say over because I think that this is going to be a situation where if he's feeling any back problems and he's feeling any tightness or whatever they're going to sit him in there on the side of caution assuming that the Bucks are, are a contender in the in the NFC South like we think and save them for you know the week 9 Saints game or whatever. Um he obviously when he's himself is was was pretty much good for double-digit touchdowns every year. I mean, obviously, this is a guy who in 2015 went 11 touchdowns, 2014, 12, before that hurt, then 11 and 17, and then 10. Um, but Rob Gronkowski has, unfortunately, I mean, he, he really is, it, it, it's strange. And there's a handful of athletes like this. I'm not comparing him to someone like Ken Griffey Jr., but I, I I will throw that out just as far as as a as a template, as far as just having an incredible Hall of Fame career, but also being a great what-if. Just in the sense that like no one, everyone knows he was a great player. It wasn't like he was one of these guys who tore his ACL, you know, year one and then never played or whatever. But he had a Hall of Fame career, but also just if he was himself every single year, he would have been, I mean, an an unstoppable beast that we would have talked about for thousands of years, right? Um, And so where he lands in 2020 is one of the most fascinating things to watch, I think. And that's why I wanted to to have this discussion on touchdowns. Um, But yeah, I would go under for the regular season. Danny Kelly. I'm going over and here's why. So
0: he has one season with fewer than eight touchdowns where he's played a full season and that was last year. Every other season he's got, he's scored double digit touchdowns in five seasons. He had four touchdowns in 2013 when he only played in seven games. He had three touchdowns in 2016 when he played in eight games. So this is assuming he plays a full season, but I'm, I'm taking the over. I just think he's like, she'll said, he's going to be used in high leverage situations in the red zone. I think that they're going to make him a big target there. Um, and I think Brady trusts him and that trust factor is going to be important this year because he's going to be, you know, playing with a bunch of new guys, new, new offense, new teammates, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, new coach, all that stuff. I think he's going to lean on Gronk in those situations. So assuming he plays a full year, which is a, it's a big, it's a big if, but, you know, say he plays like 12 to 14 games, at least. I still think he can go over that.
1: Okay. It's from Odd Shark. Tom Brady, 29.5 touchdowns over under Danny Kelly. I'm taking the under on that one, though. I, I still think, I think,
0: I think that they're going to be a slow offense. I think that the defense, they're going to
1: lean on their defense. Wow. Yeah. Danny Kelly calls Tom Brady old and slow on the Rigor <laughs> NFL show. We're going to break this out.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're going to lean on their defense. They're going to lean on ball control offense. They're not going to ask Brady to, to go all out, do the Jameis Winston mm-hmm. thing. I mean, think about how different the offense for the Buccaneers would have been last season if Jameis Winston wasn't throwing 30 freaking interceptions. Tom Brady, I bet you he'll throw, you know, five or six this year or whatever. And it's going to be a completely different style of football, I think, for them. Um, you know, obviously Arians has a... Has a history of the no risk it, no biscuit type aggressive offense, but I still think they have good enough defense where they can lean on that. Don't ask like Brady to do, you know, just incredible things or whatever and kind of go from there. So I'm going with the under. Chill.
2: Looking at it, I just feel like he's going to look at this and be like, who these receivers are wide open? What is this? This is yeah. so weird. I'm in the red zone. Look at Mike Evans. Wow, he, he leaped over a defensive back's uh, head and came down with the football. Chris Godwin just juked that guy, uh, created three yards of separation, and is wide open. It's going to be like a different world of football for him. And I, you know, Brady threw 24 touchdowns last year with the Patriots, one of the worst supporting casts in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston had 33 with the Bucks. Uh, it's going to be right around there. I feel like it was a it's a very good uh, number at 29 and a half. But I think yeah. if I were to bet, uh, I'm going with the over there.
1: That's what I was going to say. It's a very very good number, and that's why Vegas is Vegas. But he had 24 <laughs> touchdowns last year, and the year before he had 29. And the year before he had 32. And when I think about the Gronk over under, is about how much he's going to play and how much he looks like himself and how healthy he stays, right? This is more about what the offense looks like, what Danny said, and and how w- his red zone passing, stuff like that. I agree with you that the 24 touchdowns was impressive considering how bad a supporting cast was last year. He is going to be 43 years old. We're getting just into uncharted waters for, for any quarterback playing at 43. I mean, anytime he, he does anything on a football field, he's basically breaking a record that used to be held by Warren Moon. Like, there's just not a lot of Of data on what a 43-year-old quarterback looks like. Um, I think it's going to be right around there. I'm going to go slightly over. I think the number ends up being something like 28. I think it goes slightly under. Sorry. Um, Did I say over or under? You said over. Okay, sorry. I'm going to go slightly under. I think it's going to be around 28. Um, All right, back on schedule, Danny. (laughs) Threw a curveball at me, man. Cam Newton. This is another one I made up. Cam Newton 2020 contract over under 7 million dollars of value for one year. Shiloh Kapadia.
2: I'm going under. It's uh if you look at the quarterback contracts, it's not like this um you know, sort of sliding scale. It's you have starters are making yep. uh, 20 million and over, and backups are making under 10 million. And then Taysom Hill is in that weird uh, 10 and a half million range. But I think at this point, you know, there's no team. What a
1: value signing for the Saints <laughs> to get ta- to lock up Taysom Hill at $10 million.
2: It's so funny when you look at it. He's like the only guy in that, uh, yeah. in that middle range. But I mean, I don't see a team where that's going to sign him right now and say, all right, you're going to come in and be the starter. So it could be a team that, you know, says, all right, you can compete or a team with an older quarterback. So I think he's probably going to have to settle, you know, that Teddy Bridgewater contract. I think that was 7 million with the saints right last year when he signed the one year deal. So it could be something like that. I'm going to go slightly under, by the way, I'm going to throw, I don't know if people, if anybody's mentioned this, I'm sure they have because we've all been starving for content. So everybody's had a take about where Cam Newton is going to play. So I'm stealing someone's take, but I know this team doesn't have a lot of money, but what about the Chiefs? You know, Andy
1: Reid. Yeah, Rock? no, that that's that's you're bet- still in my uh, take. No, you're still in my <laughs> take, Sheila. I'm so you have to leave. You have to leave. No, my my take my take was that that both Jameis and Cam should go somewhere just with a good coaching staff for a year. And yeah. with Cam, Cam's better than Jameis, but Cam needs to get healthy and he needs to go to a place where they have a good training staff and there's no pressure on him. You know, like yeah. that's the thing. Is that my initial feeling on Cam? Was he should go somewhere like Los Angeles and the, the Chargers, not the Rams, um, and and just have a path towards starting? Those places have dried up. Places like the Chargers, places like Miami, they they figured out their their quarterback situation in the draft. So now, when I think about it, I think that they, he needs to go somewhere um, where it's just going to be he'll sit and learn some some really good. Um, some stuff from Andy Reed that I think would be uh, beneficial for him. And then I think he can go out and maybe he starts, you know, a, a game or two at the end of the season when they block up the one seed or whatever. And then he can go and get a bunch of money next year. I, the reason I said $7 million uh, is Marcus Mariota and Tyrod Taylor uh, both yeah. signed for seven, 7.5. Um, most of the players, Brian Fitzpatrick is at eight. Most of the players in that 8 to 10 range, in fact, 8 to 14 range, because under 14, there's just nothing, as you said, the Taysom Hill uh, zone. Um, most of these guys are slotted by draft pick. It's it's Trubisky, it's Mayfield, it's Darnold, it's Kyler Murray. Um, and so it would. It, it, there are not a lot of guys who sign for $7 million um, or $8 million, $9 million at the quarterback position. Um, I'm going to say under, unless he does something i think that is risky but has a high upside which is wait until training camp to sign yeah because i was think I was Ca- say, yeah. cam newton is the best quarterback on the market i would say not only on free agency but also in in trade i mean if you yeah. the, guy, of the guys who are expendable right now i'm trying to think I, I think it's cam newton and you think about something like the sam bradford trade a couple of years ago Instead of a team having to panic and trade a first round pick, they can just sign Cam Newton for eight, nine million dollars. And there's some risk associated with that. And maybe if if there's a team that's that's gonna say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna find another backup if you don't sign right now, um, maybe he jumps at that. But if I'm Cam Newton, I'm not gonna lock myself into a bad situation on May 14th or May 15th. I'm gonna wait and see. And that's the only path I see for him to get eight, nine, ten million dollars.
0: Danny Kelly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think he that's I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to wait. I think he's going to see if one some team just abs like some some quarterback just absolutely craps the bed and is just does yeah, not if look it, good.
1: a team has to hate their quarterback competition, yeah. a week into yeah. practice, or an injury.
0: I don't think Newton has any go- like goal of going in and being a backup and like rehabilitating his his you know market or whatever. I think he wants to be a starter right away. And obviously, the health issue is a big, big factor in all this. Um, and I think that's a big part of the reason he's still unsigned is like teams just don't know how healthy he is like his foot. And they can't see it.
1: They can't see it.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, my my take is over. I'm betting the over because I think he's going to wait and hope for an injury or hope a team just hates their quarterback uh, going into the year.
1: A lot of teams hate their quarterback secretly, but I don't know if it's if, I don't know how that plays out for him.
2: No, but at this time of year, it feels like they all they all fall in love. You know, like why aren't why aren't the Broncos signing Cam Newton and saying, yeah. "All right, we yeah. have, we built a pretty good offense around him. We'll go with Drew Luck." But I mean, it, because I guess a lot of the teammates would be like, "All right, get Cam Newton out there and have him play." And if you want to play Drew Luck, but what about the Steelers? I mean, the Steelers should be signing uh, yeah. Cam Newton, and
1: yeah, he I should agree be, with that. that would
2: be I, a good spot for him.
1: You've opened up a very risky door suggestion the broncos because i did it a couple of weeks ago and uh i'll say this there's a contingent of online broncos fans who are extremely <laughs> into drew lock okay. they're extremely into ju- the the per- national perception of drew lock is very different from the denver perception of drew lock i'll leave it at that go at shield not me at denver <laughs> go at shield all right patrick mahomes over under 39 million dollars per year when he signs his extension Um, this would be what amounts to top of the market. Um, no one has gotten 40 million dollars annually, and Patrick Holmes probably deserves it. We'll start with you, Shield.
2: Yeah, I, I think he does deserve it, and I think he will get it. I mean, he's 25 years old and he has an MVP and a Super Bowl ring. Like when he's up for this contract. Uh, You know, in 2022, when he's on the first deal, he'll be 27 years old. So even with someone like Russell Wilson, who's making uh, $35 million, you know, he's going to be younger than Russell Wilson, obviously, when he signed that deal. So uh, I like the over. I think he'll get to the $40 million mark.
1: Danny.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think you look at, like she was saying, his resume is incredible. He's still really young. They're building around him for the long term. There's every reason for them to keep him. He has incredible leverage. It's gonna work out. I think it's gonna be every once in a while you have these like huge, like the quarterback market will be like slow, 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 huge jump. You know what I mean? Slow, slow, like huge jump. I think this is gonna be another one of those huge jumps where you know some team just because like most, I think most teams and most GMs and owners want it to be like a slow. Okay, we'll give them one more million per year on average yeah. than the last guy. We'll give them one more, and then put like. Mahomes, it's going to be like a $5 million difference, I think, for over, like, Wilson at least. And so, yeah, I'm going
1: the over. So, I've done some reporting on this. talked to Brett Veach, the the Chiefs GM, about this a lot. And then they basically, this is not the kind of negotiation where they're going to try to get him on some super discount. I don't think they're, I I don't, I think that whenever I talk Cowboys. to Veach about it <laughs> in the beginning of the season, he basically said he's a superstar and, and we're going to, we're going to give him his due. Um, I think that there's a real chance he gets 40. Um, I think that the problem that the Chiefs face from a cap standpoint, number one, we're still overlooking what's going to happen to the cap because of coronavirus. Oh, like, yeah. That's a huge, yes. huge, huge thing. But here's my thought. There have been all of these, the last couple of days, there have been a couple of bits of analysis. It's like, woo, man, teams that are capped out are going to be in real trouble if the cap goes down. Dude, if the cap goes down, everybody's going to be in trouble. Like, they're going to – I I think you can kind of figure it out. Like, the NFL will be able – there will probably be amnesty provisions. Like, it's a global pandemic that's going to rock every business to its core. And so, to just simplistically say, like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to be paying Deion Jones this much or whatever. It's like, I I just – we're going to be in a completely different economic environment next year. And I think that um, guessing on anything that's about to happen – is is very um misguided um but what i will say is that any path in which you're paying a quarterback 30 to 40 million dollars will be tricky because i don't know how you handle that um obviously the way football is set up you put that money in escrow so a team would have to have the cash to do that um nfl teams have are worth billions of dollars they'll they'll be fine on a player like patrick mahomes to, to put that money aside um, but I just think that the, the financial realities of the sport are probably going to change in the next 12 months. Um, but if anyone's going to get a super-duper mega deal, it should be Patrick Mahomes. It's $40 million. Um, I think the second part of that is just the amount of mediocre quarterbacks who've gotten so much. I mean, Jared Goff, is his average is 33.5. Um, and I think that when when Lee Steinberg and Patrick Mahomes see that, they say, OK, we'll make 40, and they'll get it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go over, I think, the number... Is 40. Danny Kelly. Yeah, I'm going over as well. All right. Action Network, Dallas Cowboys, 9.5 wins. Danny Kelly. This one's tough. So they won eight last year, right? I think
0: well, they had Jason Garrett. <laughs> yeah, but now they have Mike McCarthy. I'm going over. I just think that this is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL this year. Um, they have the weapons. They just upgraded, you know, their third receiver position with uh, C.D. Lamb in the draft. I just think they're going to be, you know, like a bandsaw type offense. That, and I think that's going to be, you know, their defense is a bit more of a question mark. But I think that their offense is going to be so good, it's kind of like the Chiefs. Like they'll just be able to outscore everybody. So I'm going with the over. I think they underachieved last year by a lot, and I think they'll they'll kind of get back to where they need to be this year. Shield.
2: I'm going over also. Yeah, you mentioned Mike McCarthy. I mean, really, I, I don't think we've given enough attention to the greatest like PR uh, campaign <laughs> of any coach in NFL history. His,
1: his trip to Pro Football Focus. I mean- <laughs>
2: All of a sudden, there was one week in December where my entire Twitter timeline was, Mike. I'm like, what's going on? Did Mike McCarthy do something? Aren't we in the middle of an NFL season?
1: What's going on here? So uh, I don't... A couple of years ago, I was in Cincinnati for a Bengals practice, and I had to pick up a friend of mine at the Pro Football Focus offices. Then we were going to go to dinner, so I was just outside. And one thing I didn't know was I needed to tell every NFL reporter I was at Pro Football Focus (laughs) in order to get a head coaching job next year. I had no idea. I had no idea this was the path. I think that's all it
2: takes. But I kind of agree with um, with Danny. You know, I, I do think that uh, not having Jason Garrett is a good thing. I feel like they really could have. You know, I don't know. if Mike. I know some people are big Mike McCarthy fans. Uh, I'm sort of in the we'll see what happens um, mode with him. I feel like if they knocked this hire out of the park with somebody, they could have really built something where they're really scary for um, the next stretch here. But I still think they're pretty good. We know offense – is uh, more sticky than defense year over year. Mm-hmm. You have the you have the quarterback, you have the coach. I know they lost uh, the center, Travis Frederick, but they've got a lot of the pieces back. And they were 1-6 one in one-score games mm-hmm. last year. So, you know, that's something that, you know, generally tends to regress. You can certainly point to coaching for that. And uh, I think they, they have a very talented team. I know they're the favorites in the NFC East, um, according to Vegas. So, yeah, I, I've got them over
1: 9.5. Can you give me an example of a... A coach that would have been a home run hire, you think, with their personnel shield? Well, this one, I guess, would be out of the box. But if they hired someone like
2: Lincoln Riley, then I would yeah. be, I would be saying, like, you know, obviously, there's risk there. But then you could really be saying, wow, if that works out, it's a high risk, uh, I guess, a high reward move. But you could be saying, wow, they might build like this, you know, one of the scariest offenses in the NFL uh, with a guy like that, or I, I don't know. I'm always, I'm always shocked by the way these coaching hires happen, where it's. Um, a guy who's had a job before, the top coordinator from a team. Like, isn't there a, a tight ends coach at like a division two yeah. school that might make for a great NFL <laughs> coach? So obviously that's not how these things work. But certainly when I, re- when I read or heard Mike McCarthy as the Cowboys head coach, I didn't think, wow, you know, he he's going to lift them to, uh, to a crazy place now. But I could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of people I've talked to people who've said, like, the best coaches in America – you know, it just from a scheme standpoint, or probably somewhere coaching eight-on-eight football in Kansas or something yeah. on Thursday. <laughs> like that's there's a there's a a track you need to get on to be an NFL coach or a major college coach that not everybody gets on. Yes. Um now, I think that the answer for me is over. I think that the the lockout year is interesting as a test case for how, how this sort of coronavirus year is going to play out as far as no offseason goes. Um, saw a story the other day, uh, NFL Network had it, where they were just talking about how Jim Harbaugh was able to defy the odds and in 2011 get his team to the NFC Championship game despite not having an off-season to quote-unquote build his culture. Um, I've gone back and forth on how this is going to work out. I think that the teams with just the most talent and most continuity are going to make the Super Bowl. That's why I think it's going to be the Ravens. I think it's probably going to be the Niners. I think the Saints are in the mix too. Um, but if any team can install a new coach and hit the ground running it's it's going to be the Cowboys because they have a ton of talent and they they think they, they they crush the draft and they they normally crush the draft quite frankly that's the reason they have a lot of good players and i think that it's going to be i think this is a, the year of quick fixes for them um i think Jason Garrett was a really really bad coach and i think that it's it's going to be easy to improve that team i don't think you necessarily need to do a complete teardown i'm going over um, Shield, you, you are in Philadelphia. You are a, a Eagles expert. Do you have the Eagles winning the NFC East or the Cowboys?
2: I have the Cowboys as the favorites right now. I think a lot of people have probably liked the Eagles offseason a little bit more than me. And it just goes like when I have two teams on the fence, I just look at who am I more confident in having the most efficient offense, the most explosive offense. And the Cowboys were number two in the NFL behind the Ravens last year. The Eagles have been middle of the pack uh, the last two years. They didn't make a a big move at wide receiver this offseason. So I I think they're in the mix. I think they're pretty uh, evenly matched teams. I think Doug Peterson's a a better coach right now than Mike McCarthy. But I think the Cowboys are the more uh, talented team. So I've got Dallas uh, as the slight favorite.
1: Kansas City Chiefs 11.5 win. Shield.
2: Uh, I have them going over. So they won. They won twelve last year. Uh, they don't have a crazy uh, tough schedule or anything like that. They've won twelve or more in three of the last four years. And if you look at it, uh, on average, about four teams a year win at least twelve games. So I look at it that way and say, are they going to be, you know, among the four best teams in the NFL? And I think the answer is yes to that. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes missed two games last year. Even if he misses three or four, like Andy Reid has a strong track record of bringing backups, even though it's Chad, I think it's Chad Henney uh, now, which is another reason if if Cam Newton wants to go there, you kind of protect yourself. You have a Super Bowl roster, uh, you know, Mahomes goes down for three or four games and all of a sudden you have Cam Newton in there, that would be more exciting. But uh, yeah, I've got them going over 11 and a half.
1: Let me stop you right there. (laughs) As someone who's been in that locker room, if you deprive us (laughs) of... Chad Henney giving great anecdotes about how good Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is. I'm going to riot. Oh, I'm going. Okay. He is so valuable because that's a great <laughs> locker room. That's a great locker room. But Chad Henney is a phenomenal quote who is just, he is what it reminds me a little bit of how Andrew Luck had the perfect backup of Matt Hasselbeck. Because Hasselbeck was really funny We would just tell these great, funny anecdotes about Andrew Luck. You got to have that guy, it's so important. This might be a
2: story only sports writers would want to read, but I would want to read the story about when this became a thing. Like, was Bart Starr's, like, backup Where like, Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, with I kind of think, <laughs> I think Doug Peterson was a little bit of that. He was just yeah, Brett's buddy. Yeah. That's true. And I, I think Brett Favre sort of started it, where these guys are just so hunkered, like, entrenched in their job that they have these backups where it's just like, Ah, he's a good guy. <laughs> like, I remember a couple years ago, I was there. Redskins practice, and Rex Grossman was just bopping around. He was on a golf cart or something. And someone said to me, um, they, "They were just like, that guy is probably terrified of playing." And I was like, "You know what? That's probably true of like 15 backups in this league." Yeah, there's like 17 backups who are like super aggressive. I gotta play. I'm I'm staying ready. And there's there's a handful of guys who are just like, my God, if I ever got in. <laughs> That's the end of everything. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh Danny Kelly, 11.5. Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going I'm going over as well.
0: Basically, Shield stole my answers. Um, I think <laughs> Mahomes is due for positive touchdown regression as well. Like he his touchdown rate uh in 2018 was 8.6. It went down to 5.4 last year. He's playing hurt for a lot of the season. He missed two games, mm-hmm. plus he was hurt for you know, another big chunk of the season. Tyreek Hill was out. If they can be healthy, I think he's gonna, you know, go back up towards where he was in twenty eighteen in terms yeah. of his efficiency, touchdown efficiency and all that. So I think he I think their offense is gonna turn back into kind of that really, really scary group and, and I think they're gonna just yeah, I think that that was a really interesting stat too from Sheila in terms of around four teams win twelve or twelve or more games. Um I would definitely put them in in that group. So um yeah, I'm going over with them as well.
1: Yep, I mean, as long as Mahomes is healthy, this is this is going to fly by. I, I think there's going to be some really crappy teams this year because I, I just don't think that I don't think anyone, everyone's going to ace this virtual offseason. I'll say that, and uh, <laughs> I, I think that that uh, I think there's there's going to be some really bad teams that the Chiefs are just going to feast on. Um, and aside from that, they're just really good. They have continuity and. They have the best player in football. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm we're I'm hammering the over hypothetically. All right. Last over under for team wins. And then we get to the player props. New York Jets. Seven wins. Adam Gase. Danny Kelly. <laughs> God. Uh, this one was very
0: difficult for me. So they won seven games last year. Yeah. And so I'm taking the over very, very like I'm reticent to do it, but I'm taking the over. Um, the big biggest reason I think is, you know, they they were very very injured all of last year. Nothing went right for them basically the whole season. Um, you know, Jim Darnold got mono. Some some, of,
1: some of that was self inflicted, like hiring right for sure. The mono was different.
0: You know, I don't think they're a good team necessarily, but um, per football outsiders Vince Verhe, the Jets weren't just the most injury struck team in 2019. They were the second most injured team we've ever found and they wow. won, they won wow. seven games anyway. Um, I'm just going with the positive regression in that area. You know, I think that they didn't do enough this offseason for me to be like, oh, yeah, this is a team to watch out for. But I could see them winning eight games in a pretty wide open AFC East. So I'm very reticently taking the over.
1: <laughs> so I think that, as I said, some of that was self-inflicted. Hiring Adam Gase is self-inflicted uh, mono is not self I mean, it's bad, just kinda. bad luck. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just bad luck. Let's just not, <laughs> right. Let's right. not get into that particular. It's not mono. Shame him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was it's, it's like the phrase I was looking for. Um, it was just bad luck. And so they kind of got hot at the end of the season. They've got some decent talent. I actually like Joe Douglas as a talent evaluator. Um, so I know you have a lot of familiarity, him coming from Philadelphia, you know, his, his influence, obviously, Baltimore before that. I like Joe Douglas. What he did in the draft um, it, it, is the Logan Ryan thing done yet? I don't think so.
2: I think he went. I on think a good that morning, the Dolphins boarding and said he's wide open. Can you get get your offers
1: in? He's re, he's reopening his <laughs> recruitment. I think so. <laughs> I don't know if he had the hats or what. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, hats, yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's just going to start posting notes, apps, things. That are like, "This is my top five. Please respect my decision. <laughs> this is great stuff." <laughs> All right, so we don't know if Logan Ryan's going to be a Jet or a Dolphin or whatever. Um, but I think that I think that they win like eight games. I guess I don't know. I I, just, I I I'm ready to believe anything with the Jets right now. I I think that their GM is a lot better than their coach. Um, I'm still worried they're going to waste Sam Darnold's rookie contract. Um, that just seems like it's an inevitability at this point that they're not going to make the playoffs in that in that range um or at least in the range where you're really starting to talk contract which would be after this season. Um so yeah, I'm going to go eight wins I guess. She'll. I know this wasn't the question but when you were talking about uh
2: reps and you know the off season before I feel like Adam Gase is like minus 600 to be the first coach to blame his team's performance on the lack of a uh, sure. full season. <laughs> I mean, coaches are going to love to, do- I'm surprised they haven't started doing this yet. There's nothing coaches love to complain more about than like, lag- you take away their practice time and like, that's it. I mean, you can make fun of their families, steal their wallets, but you take <laughs> away their practice time and it's on. And so I'm already like sick of that storyline and it hasn't even begun yet where every coach is going to blame their team's performance on a lack of, like, sorry, I just had to, I
1: just I, had to. I also, I also think that, you know, she'll, you know, how in training camp there's that thing where like on the third day, the coach has my performance, he just ends practice early. Is this going to be, are we going to hear an anecdote about how just like Adam Gase just ended the Zoom call? Everybody leave. Everybody press leave. We're done. <laughs> I don't like this. No one's locked in. Everybody press leave. Yeah. Kicks them out. Yeah. Get, get, yeah. Shut, shut down your computer. You're, not yeah, you're, gone. You're, you're gone. Out. You're, you're out. gone. You're gone. You're out. I yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, I, just know, s- sending a chat, <laughs> sending a chat message, Adam Gay sending a chat message saying you're, you're out of practice. Yeah,
2: I, I think that, w- that would be some good content for the rest
1: of us if that
2: uh, did happen. I, I think Danny made a great point that they were just so injured and typically, you know, if you're not going to be that injured the next year, um, that bodes well for you. Uh, there is some stuff working mm-hmm. in the other direction, though. They were uh, five and two in one score games. And they have a really tough schedule. You know, uh, Warren Sharp does the uh, strength of schedule based on the Vegas over-unders. And, uh, and the Jets have the third toughest schedule in Ooh. the NFL. So uh, I, I agree with you, Kevin, on Joe Douglas. I mean, I thought it was actually a smart approach to the offseason. He wasn't like, I'm going to make moves to make us a playoff team in 2020 because there's so many holes on this roster that I've got to be patient here, built through the draft. And uh, I thought he did that. but. Uh, I don't know. I would. I feel like if you bet the over on an Adam GaSe coach team, you might have a gambling problem, and you don't, <laughs> and you will not feel good about yourself on a week to week basis. So I'm just going to go with the under. I would much rather lose it and go with the under and <laughs> uh, lose it when I'm going with people, but I would feel better about myself.
1: I immediately, I immediately regret my <laughs> answer. So, yeah. Uh, Caesar's Palace uh, via ESPN released some really fun player props um, that I saw on ESPN yesterday. Uh, let's go through them. First, Phillip Rivers, 3,999 passing yards for the Indianapolis Colts. Danny Kelly.
0: I think he's certainly talented enough to go over 4,000. And last time he didn't go over that number. Last time he, he had. 2012. He were, yeah, it was 2012. So he's been, I mean, his history would say, oh, he'll easily go over that. Um, however, I do think they are going to be a run-heavy team, a very balanced team. I think Frank Reich is going to try and take the pressure off of him to do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, carry the offense and all that. That's why they traded up to get Jonathan Taylor. I think that's a big part of it. Jacoby Brissett last season had 2,900 yards on 447 attempts. That's another thing that would kind of like point to the under. However, I just think I'm going with the over. I I, I think. River's personality and Dan- Danny just
1: spends five minutes arguing <laughs> against it, and then ends going for it because of his personality. Go ahead,
0: because he wears a bolo tie. Yeah, and he's a, a coach in waiting.
1: A- he's a coach and waiting in waiting at a local Alabama high school now.
0: <laughs> a guy who wears a Drew, bolo Drew Brees. Not-
1: Drew Brees signed a like a in waiting job with NBC for millions of dollars, and Philip Rivers signed an in waiting job at an Alabama <laughs> high school. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, you're going over? My personal bias is is bleeding into this one. I
0: probably do have a betting problem if I'm taking the over. But, yeah, I'm taking the over. Sheel? Uh,
2: I don't think the over is crazy. Like you said, I mean, he's uh, generally, I think, 11 of the past 12 seasons, he's thrown for uh, 4,000 or more. I think the point you brought up about the style of play that the Colts want to have on offense is really interesting because last year they were, like, one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL uh, that was obviously when their quarterback retired what a week before the season the year before <laughs> with luck uh they were a lot more pass heavy you know i think they were top five or top seven or something so i'm interested to see what direction they take that in but you know you look at this you would need to finish like i think among the top ten quarterbacks in terms of passing yards to hit four thousand so the smart play I, I think you're right is under i'm gonna do what you did i'm gonna i'm gonna give you all the reasons why it should be under and then take the- <laughs>
1: And yes. That's
2: what prop bets are about. You, you know, you Love gotta, go, this is like the coach who, who listens to the analytics guy in his ear <laughs> does,
0: does the opposite when, uh, yeah. It's just gotta go with that
1: gut, you know. <laughs> I love this. I love this. All right, I'm gonna go under only because I think Philip Rivers is gonna be really good this year. I think that I keep repeating this, but Rich Ronberger was in this podcast a couple of weeks ago and basically said that the, the worst person to have in a bad situation is Philip Rivers because he will try to do too much. He played, was obviously played with him. Um he also played with Brady too. But he said, you know, Rivers will try to make things happen to a fault. And now he goes to a to a place I think with a better infrastructure. Um, I think Frank Reich is a really good offensive coach. Um, I think that that he will be able to do less and become a much better player for it. Um, as far as 2019 versus 2020, um, I I think the answer is under, but I think he will be much improved. I don't think he's going to throw 20 interceptions like he did last year. Um, yeah, so that's that. All right, next player prop, Lamar Jackson, nine hundred and thirty-five rushing yards. Shokopadio. This was
2: a tough one. I know this one started out a lot higher, right? And it got bet down uh, quite a bit, I think, in the last uh, couple of weeks. I think it was up around 970 or something like that. But uh, you look at it last year, 1,206 yards, the best rushing season for a quarterback in NFL history. The Ravens had the best rushing offense in like 40 years. So uh, you would think that there is regression definitely coming. It's just a matter of how much it's going to be. And I looked at it He's got to average like 59 yards a game. I mean, I don't know. He, I just picture myself uh, watching the Red Zone channel or checking box scores on a Sunday night. He's going to be over 50. You know, this is very scientific, yeah. my, my <laughs> process here. He's, I, I picture myself looking, and he's going to be over 59 most of the weeks. He's going to have some 140-yard games uh, mixed in there. So I think unless he gets injured, I, I mean, we've seen that these – run games that are uh, inclusive of the quarterback are very hard to defend because defenses aren't used to it on a week to week basis. I don't think it's gimmicky. I think it's uh sound schematically. I trust in Greg Roman. And so uh, they've only lost one starter on offense. It was a very good one in uh guard Marshall Yonda. Otherwise they're bringing everyone back. They uh, drafted JK Dobbins. So I, I think it's going to be a good, a very good offense. One of the best. And I will go with the over
1: Danny Kelly.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm going with the over. I, Again, like this is a tough one because um, I guess like logic would tell you they're going to try and protect him a little bit, and or I guess traditional uh, you know thinking would say they're going to try and protect him. They're going to try and like take the ball out of his hands, give it to J.K. Dobbins more, blah blah blah. But I don't think that they really necessarily adhere to traditional thinking and, and conservative thinking. They they know that Lamar Jackson's legs make them one of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL, and. He showed an ability to avoid big hits for the most part. You know, he's a very slippery, you know, he jukes guys out of out of their feet, like out of their shoes in the open field. Like he's not taking a lot of big hits. He took a few big hits, but for the most part mm-hmm. he's he's done a good job protecting himself. I just think they're all in on this offense. They're all in on Lamar Jackson. I think they'll go for it. So he played 8 games in 2018 his rookie season. He averaged Forty-three yards per uh, per game as a rusher. Last year, he averaged eighty yards per rush or per game as a rusher. It'll probably be somewhere in the middle, like she was saying. But if he gets, it'd be. I think he could pretty easily get over that, like fifty-six. Did you say it was 56? Uh, 59,
2: I think. So if he, if he gets sixty, yeah, he he gets
0: it. Yeah, I think he could pretty easily do that. So I'm taking the over. Um, I I think they're going to lean into the skill set that he has and and avoid. Falling, you know, into that traditional thinking where you want to like do as much as you can to take, you know, to limit what he does as a runner.
1: Yeah, I think that I think the answer is over. Um, I think that. Lamar Jackson can get 60 yards per game in his sleep. Um, I think he can get it <laughs> with just even with just found yardage. I mean, that's that's part of the brilliance of Lamar Jackson doesn't have to be design runs or doesn't have to be. um you know him running up the middle, or, or or the Heisman package, or all of these weird, um, not weird, but you know, brilliant things that that Greg Roman cooked up last year. It doesn't have to be that; it can just be no one's open, and there's 20 yards till the nearest defender, and he just takes it. Um, and he can make one guy miss 20 yards down the field, and all of a sudden he's got 40 yards. And I think that you know when I was down there in up there in Baltimore in uh, in January, they some of the guys I think it was RG three talked about this about how it's not just his acceleration it's his deceleration and it's the way that he can uh control his movements so well that he can do he does not have to break tackles um he can just force miss tackles and I think that when that kind of stuff happens in the open field you're gonna you're gonna be able to to get 60 yards pretty easily I mean listen we saw some of these 50 60 yard runs just you know on one play last year so I think that the answer is over I don't know if it's going to be 1200 yards but i I will never bet against Lamar Lamar Jackson's ability to make people miss until I see it. Remember, he
0: got he got twelve hundred and six yards on in fifteen games. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Yep, yep. So, I mean, he didn't even really max out, to be honest. So, yeah.
1: I was at the game; he did not play. Where RG three started, and it was (laughs) raining, and I uh, did not need to be there. I went (laughs) to go see Lamar Jackson play, and then by the time I went there, he had. They had locked up the division and he just, yeah. they didn't play any starters. And I like, okay, well, I guess I'll just sit here in this press box and watch RG3 <laughs> in the rain. All right. Aaron Rodgers, uh, same number as Phillip Rivers, 3,999 passing yards. Joe uh
2: I've got the under. I mean, I've enjoyed this offseason of the Packers just trolling him, not, get, <laughs> not getting him any help, drafting the quarterback in the first round, which I understood but then drafting the 247-pound running back, drafting the fullback in the third round, all these different things. I mean, they've done nothing to upgrade the passing talent on that team. And I I know I sound like a broken record, but that's just what I look at with, you know, how have these teams improved their passing games in the offseason? That's how I judge whether they're going to be improved or not. So it sounds like they want to be even uh, more run-heavy than they were last year. And um, I don't see the weapons around him. That would suggest that he can sort of upgrade from what he was last year. You throw his age in there, 36. Injuries are always going to be uh, an issue. So I've got the under with Aaron Rodgers passing yards.
1: So he had 4,002 last year. This is really a question of what Rodgers looks like this year and the offense and whether or not he comes out just gun's a and, and he comes out and he's super motivated or whatever. I actually think it might be over. Mm. I think that even if they want to go more run heavy, I think Rogers gonna be better next year than he was this year. I actually think in a weird way, something like the virtual offseason helps him because as I said, I think pure talent is gonna be is gonna win out. And I think that Aaron Rodgers has a lot of pure talent. I think there's gonna be a lot of players who don't have as much talent who, who who need to be who need June minicamp or whatever. Aaron Rodgers, a veteran, doesn't need that. I do think it's funny. I agree with you. The trolling Aaron Rodgers thing is quite funny because Aaron Rodgers can control with the best of them, and I expect some sort of some sort of dig at some point in the next <laughs> five months. We'll see how it goes. But um, I think that from a a scheme standpoint, they're they're obviously trying to go more 49ers, but that might be more of a twenty. 21 2022 type thing. I think in 2020 still Aaron Rodgers' team. I think he comes out super motivated and I think that the again, the just the the talent wins out. I'm in on Rodgers for for the short term. I'm going over. Danny Kelly. This was a
0: very tough one for me. I'm I ultimately decided to go over. I think it's going to be very close, but I decided to go over for a few reasons. Number one, kind of like she was saying They didn't do anything to improve the offense, but I also think that's going to be a reason that they're worse in 2020. Mm -hmm. Last year, the Packers went eight and one in one score game. So they were in a lot of really, Mm -hmm. really close games. They were sixth in the NFL in time of possession for while they were leading. So in those games, they were trying to, you know, slow the game down, lean on the run game, you know limit possessions, all that. They were the second slowest offense in the second half of games last year. Mm -hmm. So if you think the 49ers are going to be as good or better you know, next year and have a lot of leads and and all that, then I think taking the under definitely makes sense. But if you think that they're going to be trailing in more games and having to kind of speed things up in the second half, play from behind a lot more, um, that's kind of where I went with this one. I think he might end up throwing the ball more just and speeding up the offense because they're going to be you know, trying to come from behind a little bit more. I think they got a little bit lucky in those one score games last year. So it's not, it's not an exact science. It's kind of more just like, are they going to be able to control the games like they did last year? And I don't really think they will. So I think they will be coming from behind more and and trying to speed up and and all that. So I think he goes over slightly.
1: All right. Last from Caesars, drew lock 20 passing touchdowns, Danny Kelly. (laughs) This one's tough. So if
0: you look at his pace over the whatever, how many games he played last year, he would have gone over. Uh, they did a lot to improve his offense around him. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, I think, obviously, those two are, are um, rookies, but I think they'll have an effect in the offense overall. Um, zero. So a, a lot of this also has to do with the, do you think he's going to start the whole season? I do think he will. Um, last year, zero 16 game starters through for 20 or through. Fewer than twenty touchdowns. Ooh. So Darnold in thirteen games had nineteen. Stafford in eight games had nineteen. Brissett in fifteen games had eighteen. Trubisky in fifteen games had nineteen. Kyle Allen in thirteen games had seventeen. And Dalton in thirteen games had sixteen. So do, I think he's, you know, in that Brissett Trubisky Dalton range at least as his floor this year. And so I think just I think plays, if he plays, I think that games, this think is Andy Dalton
1: shade that I will not stand for. <laughs>
0: So, you don't like Drew Locke? Is it? You don't like, you don't think he. No, I don't full?
1: not like Drew Locke. I don't not like Drew Locke. I think that Drew, I think that I, I'm not sold on, you know, pen, writing in pen that he's, he's their starter for yeah forever and that we're, you know, talking mega contract or whatever in three years. Like, I just right. don't, I don't know. I think that there's very few guys like that and I, I'm not ready to put Drew Locke there. So, Drew Locke, seven touchdowns, three interceptions last year, four and one record. Um, I'm gonna say over on the twenty, just because I think that the I think that actually John Elway has done an okay job this off season um, building the infrastructure, and I'm kind of I think he's created some value, and I think they're going to be a fairly good team. Um, the PFF guys who were on my show a couple weeks ago were really hyping up the Broncos, and I'm I can see a path towards that. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they're better um, than they they were in 2019. So I'm gonna go over. I like the draft. I like the infrastructure. I'm, I'm vaguely in on Drew Locke. (laughs) Yeah.
2: My, uh, I, you know, to not have 20 touchdown passes, there were 23 quarterbacks who had at least 20 touchdown passes last year. So you would it's like Danny said, either you're painting a scenario where he gets injured, he gets benched, or he's like a total train wreck. And so, you know, (laughs) I mean, the bar is not high. You can be, You can be below average and throw for 21 uh, touchdowns. And that was kind of my point with the um, Cam Newton uh, comment earlier to Denver. It's not that I think Drew Locke stinks. I think you shouldn't read too much into a five-game sample. And I really like the infrastructure. I mean, uh, this receiving core is good. It's sort of a lesser extent to what the – Bills did. We're like the Bills built this offense this year. We're like if Josh Allen cannot be good in this offense this year, then I mean you you should have a good opinion of him one way or another after this season. The Broncos aren't quite to that extent, but still, uh, I'm a big Courtland Sutton fan. I thought Jerry Judy was the best wide receiver in the draft. I like their second round pick of KJ Hamler. The offensive line isn't isn't great, but uh, you know they've got some upgrades there. So I feel like the pieces are in place. For them to be a very competitive team, I would just get some insurance. Where, hey, in case Drew Lock gets injured, in case he's not what he looked like after five games last year, let's make sure we have another option at quarterback in case we do want to make a playoff run. I think they're going to be more aggressive than they were last year. They've talked about that uh, quite a bit. So uh, I've got him over 20 touchdowns. All
1: right, this is from Bet Online, Joe Burrow, 24 and a half touchdowns. Shield.
2: I'm all in on every over with Joe burrow. I think yeah, is, yeah. I, think, I think he's gonna have one of the the best uh, seasons of a rookie quarterback in NFL history. I know the offensive line is not great, but he his pocket movement is just. Uh, beauty to watch where he can just avoid rushers left and right. His accuracy is off the charts, and I love their skill position players. I mean, Tyler Boyd, I think, is one of, like, the most underrated receivers in the yeah. NFL. I, I think with Burrow, he's going to have a big season. If A.J. Green comes back, you got T. Higgins, Joe Mixon is really good. So, uh, listen, I've been wrong with these uh, hot takes before. Certainly the <laughs> offensive line yeah. the offensive line could make me look terrible, but I'm, I'm going all over on Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be really good, by the way.
1: Okay, so first of all, it's not a hot take if you believe it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just want to get that out of the way. I think that what the Bengals have done is really good. I think that the the team building job they've done is admirable. To you know, Burrow is at his best when you just get four or five guys out into a route and just find the mismatches. And I think with T. Higgins, uh, with Boyd, with A. J. Green, he's going to have that. Um, I agree with you. I'm going to hit the over two. I'm not all in on every. Over metric like you are, um, I'm not ready to move to Cincinnati and just jump on the bandwagon. But I think he's going to be really good uh, year one. I'm going over Danny Kelly. I'll do the contrarian and just say
0: under um, the contrarian on this podcast, I suppose on on and go under. I'll say he's going to have 24 touchdowns. Just sneak right wow. in on the under. Um, what a hater. So no, I'm not. I'm not a hater. I, I I looked at what Kyler Murray did last year. You know, offensive rookie of the year came in and turned the Cardinals offense from one of the worst offenses in the NFL into a decently good offense, you know? Like, it was an, an, the biggest improvement for any team in the NFL, and he threw 20 touchdowns and had 12 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Widely considered an awesome rookie year, and he still only threw 20 touchdowns. So I'm just tempering, I guess, my expectations a little bit. I love Joe Burrow. Everything she'll said, I think, is right on, like, I'm totally in step with all that stuff, but I'm just kind of trying to temper it a little bit like rookie quarterbacks struggle at times. And I mean, even like, you know, even a guy like Russell Wilson, who turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, he had his, he took his lumps as a rookie for sure. And he, you know, he started 16 games as a rookie and threw 26 touchdowns. Um, so maybe that should be what I'm looking at, um, instead, but, I don't know. I'm just, I'm tempering my expectations a little
2: bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a high number. The, the last 10 years, the only rookies who would have hit the over on this are Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. So uh, if you're looking at it from that perspective, the the smart money is probably on the under, but listen, I've been, I've been like, I have been on the Joe Burrow bandwagon since like the Bengals (laughs) got the first pick. I'm just like, the offense is going to be good next year. So if I, if I back down now, you know, I look like Luther, (laughs) it's more about my image than uh, the bet here.
1: Yeah, I thought the under was possible until Danny Kelly provided this bulletin board <laughs> material.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to send that. I'm going to send that to him right after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Quick hits to get us out of here. Uh, first coach fired. Shil Kapadia. This is not a prop. This is just this is just odds and ends on bets. Uh, Matt Patricia. Yeah. He is the overwhelming favorite. Uh, Adam Gase is in, in the mix here. Bill O'Brien's Strangers in the mix. I just don't. I don't see a GM and coach being fired fire mid-season. Yeah, I don't, yeah, think I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> think. I, I don't know. I don't know if Patricia or Gase. I, Doug Marone is up there and I think yeah. that's only because um, for odds, I think that's only because he was rumored to almost be fired last year or rumored to be fired last year. And I think that uh, I don't know. I think the Jaguars are taking playing a longer game. I don't know if they're going to get upset if they start 0-3 this year. Um, I'm going to go with Patricia only because I don't see a lot of options. And I also feel like the obvious choice is usually the best. Like, I mean, Jay Gr- everyone saw the writing on the Jay Gruden wall <laughs> last year. Um, and I'll be damned if he wasn't fired uh, fairly early in the season. Uh, Danny Kelly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. Patricia comes to mind for sure. The first, the two guys that I thought of and jotted down were Doug Marone, and then maybe this is off the wall and, and a hot take, but Dan is Dan Quinn. On no, that's the a C-Dotto good one. Yeah, I
1: think that's no, a good one. That's not that's not a hot take at all. Okay.
0: Yeah. if they if they really underwhelm and, and start slow, like they're way too good to be doing what they're doing. I feel like so. Yeah,
1: I uh, I think the Falcons are going to be pretty good this year. I I think that there's. I said this in the pod a couple weeks ago. I, I, I have a feeling that this is kind of an Occam's razor NFL season where the simplest the simplest route to being good is is the best route. And you have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, you have some talent on both sides of the ball. You get healthy. Obviously, health is like, you know, the most important thing in football aside from having a, a good quarterback. And um maybe even more uh important. But um I think that there's there's a real case we made the Falcons would be pretty good this year. Uh yeah. coach of the year, Danny Kelly.
0: So the fewest games that a coach of the year has won in the last 20 years is 10. So we have to sort of look at the good teams who we think are going to be good teams, but kind of come out of nowhere. Maybe Frank Reich with the Colts. If they win like 10, 11 mm. games. Mm. Kingsbury, if the Cardinals win 10 plus games, he could be up there. Even maybe well, Vrabel. Yeah. Maybe Vrabel with the Titans. I'm going to go
1: Mike McCarthy. Ooh, Because I, I think they, they win some games this year. And yeah. I think people... Confuse that. <laughs> I yeah. confuse Mike McCarthy being good with Jason Garrett being bad. Do you get what I'm saying? Like people are yeah. going to be like, wow, what a job of Mike McCarthy. Meanwhile, like there are a lot of I, we, you know, Mays and I made the, the joke a lot last year, and it wasn't a joke, that there were half the coaches in the league, maybe more, could have could have made that Cowboys team a serious, serious playoff contender. Right. Um, and I think Mike McCarthy is, That's a good is a, among that group. So I think they'll win some games and the media will be like, wow, Mike McCarthy, that PFF trip really <laughs> paid off. Here's a coach of the year award.
2: Yeah, even if he's in the mix, we know he's available to do interviews about why he should be coach of the year. Like that will not, <laughs> that will not be a hard <laughs> interview to get. So uh, I think if, he, if, they're, if they win the NFC East, he could be that. I'll go with one sort of uh, off the board a little bit. I like to look at the team that had with just like a total train wreck last year and got a new coach. And how about Kevin Stefanski? I mean, is it... Uh, Ooh, the- if they, that's a good
1: if they, one.
2: If they win like nine, now you've got, you know, the extra playoff spots this year. So you could make the argument, wow, he turned them from this train wreck of a franchise to nine and seven and they're in the playoffs. Uh, I, I could see him. And then, um, you know, the the Bucks have a high ceiling. I mean, I don't know if they're going to reach yeah. it, but yeah. like, I mean, who doesn't want Bruce Arians to win coach of the year? Everyone wants him, you know, <laughs> that, that would be fun. So if they're... Uh, Bruce, if they-
1: Bruce Arians is also available to for interviews. Yes. If, about his coaching, he's
2: more fun, though I would say, yeah, that would be. I would read those. Uh, <laughs> I would read those more intently than the Mike McCarthy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, the Browns are interesting to me, and this is a point I've made the last couple of years, and then I ignore it all the time, which is that we're always a year early on hyping yes. up teams, and then which might
2: be me with the Bengals this year, yeah.
1: But I also think <laughs> that part of that is, is. Once you fail in the hype cycle, you figure out what your holes are and then you just kind of quietly fill them. And last year with the Browns, that was offensive line. They go out and they fill those needs. So I actually I think Stefanski a really good shout. And I think that um, that's another thing where just the team building job which now has occurred over th- three general managers. Um, I think that people will will probably give all the credit to Stavansky uh, because he's new, and I think you're right about that. I think that it's is a really good coach. I think he understands modern offense really well. Uh, I, that, that's a great picture. I wish I had thought about that. All right, last thing, comeback player of the year. I, lo- I love picking this award because it says <laughs> so many different things about so many different teams and players, so we'll run through the odds. Ben Roethlisberger plus 250. J.J. Watt, plus 500. A.J. Green, plus 600. Nick Foles, plus 600. Cam Newton, plus 800. Matthew Stafford, plus 800. Miles Garrett, plus 1,200. Which, oh, I what are you coming back from exactly, <laughs> Miles That's Garrett? That's amazing. Uh, Antonio Brown, plus 2,000. Andy Dalton, plus 3,300. C.J. Mosley, plus 3,300. Deshaun Jackson, plus 3,300. Joe Flacco, plus plus is Joe Flacco out of the league?
0: Is he on a team? This is he has like a neck scary. injury. Yeah, he has some yeah, neck injury. I don't yeah. know
1: about that one. Plus 3,300, Derwin James plus 4,000. I don't know why Derwin James is so low behind an, a perhaps permanently injured Joe Flacco. Um, I'll start with you, Sheil. Come yeah, back player mean- of the year.
2: Uh, I would just ward, tell the audience, please don't put your money on Joe Flacco or Miles <laughs> Garrett. I mean,
1: I really, I don't know. What, <laughs> I did think the Garrett thing is really good. Also, that happened in like December. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like he missed this he missed, season. He like, three right. or four years. He, he had a yeah. fine
2: season and then he was, uh, so that would be something. I will go, I actually really like a pick here. I really like a long shot pick here legitimately and that's CJ Mosley. Uh, oh! Plus thirty three hundred. I mean, those are juicy oh. odds. He played in two games last year. <laughs> By the year.
1: way, Ma- not to interrupt, but Miles Garrett played ten games last year. My okay. apologies for getting the okay. date wrong.
2: Well, yeah. So uh, he played in two games last year. He's only twenty eight years old. Like, there's a scenario where CJ Mosley uh, leads the NFL in tackles if he's uh, if he's healthy for all sixteen games. He'll have the stats to to back it up. Coming off a major injury, he seems to be a person that people like. So uh, I like those odds with CJ Mosley.
1: Yeah, um, that's that's interesting. I when I when I read out CJ Mosley, I briefly thought about him. Um, I don't know how how relevant he's going to be to the national scene. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the quarterbacks. I think it's I think it's really going to be easy for Ben Roethlisberger to win this award. If, if listen, if JJ Watt comes back and has like twenty sacks, then yes, it's 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 going to be JJ Watt. If Roethlisberger is just back to being Roethlisberger, he's probably going to win. I think AJ wait, Jay, wait, Jay, wait, JJ Watt played in the in the playoffs last
2: year, right? Am I forgetting this? Yeah,
1: but but he he missed most of the season.
2: Ah, oh, come on! You can't come back the same <laughs> year, and then yeah, then would come back the next year, his comeback's over. He already came back.
1: <laughs> Are you ruling him ineligible? Yeah, he's ineligible. Take him off the board. Where'd you get? <laughs> is him? this what? like the the Ben Simmons? <laughs> this is like the Ben Simmons? razor rookie thing. J.J. Watt is not eligible?
2: His his comeback's (laughs) over. He had best in-season comeback. He played well in the playoffs. He can't win it. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, Yeah, okay. So, J.J. Watt played in eight games last year and then played in the playoffs. (laughs) He had four sacks. Shields ruled him ineligible for this award. Um, I'm going to pick between Ben Roethlisberger and Matthew Stafford. I think whoever has the best season and is most relevant is going to win. I think I think only I am a huge Matthew Stafford fan and I think one day he's going to get his due and play on a great team with a coaching staff that, that accentuates his strengths. But I think next year the Steelers are going to be pretty good. I'm going to give it to Ben Roethlisberger. Danny Kelly.
0: Yeah, I I I chose Matthew Stafford. So, I think if you look at what he was able to do in 8 games last year, he was on pace for having a ridiculously good season. In fact, he had 19 uh passing touchdowns. He would have led the NFL at that rate in passing touchdowns if he had played a whole season. Um just a perfect fit, I think, in Daryl Bevel's offense. Like play action, pass it deep, has the perfect kind of skill set to really, really excel in that offense. His yards per attempt was 8.6, which was on pace to be a career high by a lot. I think I just think he People are kind of forgetting about how good he was in the first half of the season. Obviously, he's coming back from a major injury. Back injury is is a scary thing. So that might kind of lend to the award as well. So Mm -hmm. I do agree with you, though, that like the Lions don't look like they're going to be a very good team. So that could hurt his odds. But I'm going with Stafford.
1: Oh, you mean the guy in a team coached by our unanimous pick for first coach fired is not going to be very good? Yeah, maybe maybe they'll fire him early in the year. That's arena. what I was
2: gonna say. Yeah, there's a scenario where P- Patricia gets fired in uh, week six, and then they win like their last ten games, and Stafford's on fire. I mean, you, there might be a parlay of av- it parlay available here. <laughs> Stafford comeback player of the year, Patricia first coach fired. Uh, now those are those would be better odds than CJ Mosley.
1: I'm in on that. What a, <laughs> what a perfect way to end with the Patricia first coach fired and Matthew Stafford <laughs> comeback player of the year parlay. I like it. This has been the ringer NFL show part of the ringer podcast network. Danny Kelly, Shilk, thanks for joining us.